All right. Hello, hello. Greetings. This is Alami Bashir, your transformational life coach. And this is Be Great Every Day. I know it's been a long time since we've engaged in this real talk and true stories about everyday problems, but I'm back. And I'm glad to be able to present this topic to y'all tonight. Um, let's see. So much to conquer today. I want to be very conscientious about time so that I can be sure to give my guest enough talk, enough talk time. Uh, but I want to set the stage a little bit. Uh, as you guys know, I like to talk about common everyday problems that people go through, like the stuff that we may be experiencing silently and quietly and nobody really knows about, but that really is impacting our ability to function at our highest level in our lives. And this particular topic, it was, it's been birthed out of a lot of different pieces of inspiration, but um, I'll, I'll just jump into it. I, I don't wanna talk too long. This episode is not just, this, this episode is gonna talk about some pretty challenging and difficult topics or what might be difficult for some folks. Um, but I'm really going to encourage you all to listen with a mindful ear and an objective heart and see if you can relate to any of these experiences, especially as a parent. And I'm, so I'm talking to you parents. As a parent, I have a couple of kids of my own. And as they are growing and learning and maturing and becoming their own self, I'm starting to realize that they have goals, ambitions, and interests that may not fit the mold of what I've expected of them. You know, for example, they're talking about not going to college. And that was like, oh, I really want them to go to college because I see a lot of value in it. And they're like, well, no, I don't think that's the route for me. And so for some people that might be a small thing, <clears throat> For me, in my heart, it kind of feels like a big thing because as a parent, when you have kids, naturally we have projections of who we think they're going to be and what we think they're going to be like when they get older. And, you know, we create kind of these mini visions for their lives, even though we know it's their life. Just as a parent, you can't help but to create a vision for your child's life. And very often that vision is built on our own stuff, you know, our upbringing and our likes and dislikes and our perception of their gifts and talents and abilities and, you know, our hopes and dreams and joys for their professional future and their personal growth, like all of those nuanced things, even in our best attempt to give ourselves, our kids the autonomous freedom to grow up and be their own unique selves as parents, we still have that little vision. And sometimes it can be hard when we start to see that our children are becoming their own true self, that their spirit is expressing themselves in a way that's unique and authentic to, to them. And it may not be necessarily in alignment with what we perceived. And how do you, so it, it, the question becomes, how do we reconcile that? You know, as someone who's worked with um, teenage children, young adults, even in my professional life, and I've worked with parents who've had to reconcile choices that their children have made that don't align with what they saw for them. And the kids is off doing their best life and being their, you know, grand self and the parents left like, well, but what about what I wanted for you? You know, what about what I thought was important for you? Like, what do I do with those feelings? So I want to talk about that a little bit. It'll make more sense once I get into introducing my guests. It'll give you more context. But I'm hoping that you can resonate with that general idea. And even if you're not a parent, think about your own parents and maybe some of the expectations and anticipations they had for your life that maybe you just didn't grow up that way. You made other choices for yourself that felt more genuine and authentic for you. But that doesn't mean your parents weren't sad, you know? Maybe you decided that you didn't want to have children and your parents really wanted grandchildren. 
or maybe you decided to go into art and dance and the arts instead of becoming a doctor or an engineer like they wanted you to. You know, like we all on some level can relate to this thought of our parents maybe feeling a slight bit, um, I don't want to say disappointed, although I, there may be some of that too, but that they had to pivot mm -hmm. and process what that was for them. And maybe you didn't even think about it. It's like, I'm living my own life. I don't care what they're going through. That's a part of it too. But I really want to talk about that pain that parents feel when sometimes your kid just makes different choices that are more for their benefit and rightfully so. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a feeling about it and that it's not worth talking about or processing. Now, if I can give that some more contextual, um, a more contextual foundation. I have a friend who has joined me today and I've known her for 20 plus years, a long, long time. And in those 20 years, we've been separated by time and space, but thanks to social media, we've been able to stay in each other's lives. And this particular friend had a female child who grew up as a female child and then recently disclosed to her mom, his mom, that he is transgender. And respectfully, I will be very mindful to use the word him and his and their out of respect for his transition and his sense of knowing of who he is in this season of his life. Now, I thought it was important to make note um, just biologically and the beginnings of this person's journey was as a female. And that is important to note because it helps to lay the context and the foundation for my friend's story as the parent. Because there's so many layers to this experience that I think um, as a parent of a transgender child that there's so many layers to the story that I think don't get enough attention and quite honestly, the voice of certain parents have been silenced um, due to judgment from others or lack of understanding from others that the feeling of loss is not about not loving or accepting her child. It's really about that loss of that little vision, the anticipation right? That parental anticipation doesn't mean you don't love the child and, and what choices they've made. You just have to deal with your own feelings and the transition into your child's new normal. So I'd like to introduce to you all my friend, Ellen Craig. Ellen! <laughs> and I would love for you to share your story as a parent and this process of, um, of, of your journey, I was gonna say of your son's transition, but I really wanna focus on your journey as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I wanna be very clear about a couple of things even before you start talking is one, this is not a conversation around whether someone should or should not be transgender or a parent should or should not have a strong opinion about. This is not anything related to the actual decision, okay? This conversation is all about the process of a transition the parent has to make in letting go of whatever the anticipation or expectation was and adjusting to the new normal as your child is living in the truth of his Mm -hmm. truth so I don't know if I did a good job introducing but I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> you did a great was, job thank, thank you, you for, for the introduction you. and thank you for just laying that out oh my gosh yeah. I'm just like what she said <laughs> yeah well I think it's super important you know I want people to hear from you 
Um, maybe you can start at the beginning. Start at the beginning of, um, I want you to go back to when you first gave birth in the early years yeah. of child rearing and what yeah. that was like for you and maybe what your vision anticipations might've been. Yeah. Yeah, well, Alami, thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to have this dialogue because as I have moved into this different space, um, not often do we have these opportunities to share our stories um, from such a variety of walks. We don't have these opportunities. And furthermore, they are not opportunities that we get to see publicly. Yeah. Um, that are healthy conversations, that are conversations that are um, in support of a black parent's journey, whatever that journey is, especially when you are in the space of raising a, a good human being. Yes. Um, you know, even with that, there's judgment that comes along with that. Um, if it doesn't fit someone else's uh, mold as to how you should raise your own children within our community. So, yeah. so definitely the conversation is needed and I thank you for that. Um, Yes, I am a parent of a trans son. Um, and this is very new to me. This is a very new space for me. Um, my son, Nico, is uh, just recently came out to me as trans in October of last year. So we're talking a, a, a few months. Yeah. Less than six months. Yeah. Um, and unlike many parents who may have this ability to move into this space um, with their child, um, who's moving into this trans space, uh, I didn't have that. It was, there was no um, conversations that led up to that. There was no, um, talks about, hey, I feel like I am not in the right body. And I don't, I feel like, I don't feel like I'm moving in this space the way that I should be. There was none of that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was very, I was very take, I was, I was taken off guard. Let me yeah. just say that much. Um, Nico, prior to being Nico and identifying as trans male lived in my daughter's body, Nandi, yeah. for 18 years. Um, I had uh, Nandi with uh, uh, is an assistant or assisted, should I say, um, insemination, donor 5294. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, and, and Nandi was a very planned, um, it was a very planned journey. It was a very planned process. So when I went into having a child, I knew that what better than to have a child that could carry on my legacy. And when I say my legacy, I mean a woman, a strong woman, a woman who came from a broken background, a woman who came from a tumultuous upbringing, a woman who survived so many different traumas. What yeah. better than to associate myself with my daughter or a female, if you will. Right. Um, so it was, it was always kind of in this moving in this space of where I wanted to be. I wanted to make sure that I, uh, you know, kind of paid it forward and, and, and empowered the female um, that was my offspring as to how I was never empowered to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Nandi was born, Nandi was born and she came out, you know, she came out with being such, um, I don't wanna say a different child, but she came out being so unique. And yeah. she came out being her own individual. And although we gravitate towards when we have a child and when they have been assigned this gender um, through you know, medicine and, and doctors and all those things, 
Um, you know, I did what every mother did, put her in dresses, dressed her up in cute little bows and all these other things, um, but never um, denied or disregarded how she wanted to exist. Yeah. Um, you know, at four or five, Nandi wanted to have transformer toys. Yeah. Nandi wanted to play with trucks. Nandi wanted to wear all of the um, the more masculine uh, Halloween costumes. Yeah. And I was all for it. I was like, fine, sure. I said, okay, well, that's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. So yeah. it was never anything um, within my parenting where I felt that my child should not express who she was on the basis of, and, and, and on the basis of me being, you know, in the LGBTQ community myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I, I, I knew what that felt like for somebody to impose how they felt or what they believed and how you should walk through this life um, based on their own, um, you know, based on, on their own ideas of what you should be in this world. Right. So right. that never was my that never was my mission with with her. Yeah. Um and and I like to kind of say that I I am still using um the pronoun her because I'm talking about Nico's past self. Sure, sure. And um, thank you for that clarification because yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. It is very important because a lot of times when your child has developed into this space for so long as is as like my child has, I have to use a point of reference um, because it is a little bit later in in years. Yeah. Um, oftentimes parents who have trans children and their children um, you know, come to this awareness at four and five, even as early as four and five. Um, they have what I feel is they live in this space of where they have time on their side, right? They live in a space where they haven't been in existence long enough for people to associate their past lives to their current life. Right. So I use that um, so that people ha- do have a point of reference so that there isn't any confusion and so that they can see that there is has been this gradual shift. Um, and although it might've been us uh, privately or within my, my son, um, the change uh, happened to where we're all adjusting. I'm adjusting, mm-hmm. my friends are adjusting, Nico's godparents are adjusting. And so we are all, uh, as we are learning to embrace Nico, we are still have very, very early memories of Nandi. Yeah. That we still have not yet had an opportunity to move through in order to embrace Nico fully as we spent 18 years doing so with Nandi. Yeah, now, wow. I know this story and it's still just, it's so amazing to me. Um, if, just in case anybody missed this, I wanna make sure I just recap. So you identify as lesbian, yes. you have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, your daughter was conceived through a donor mm-hmm. or w- through the use of a donor mm-hmm. and lived as female for 18 years. Mm-hmm under the auspicion of, you know, personal independence and personal freedom and autonomy being well welcomed in your home, right? And to add lived, lived as androgynous gay female. Yeah. For 18 years. Yeah. So we were both Lit- in a community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, what I heard you say very clearly was that things took a shift in October and kind of without notice. Yeah, without notice. Not, not so many clear warning signs for you to be able to emotionally prepare for said shift. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And so that's essentially what we're talking about today is for you, it is your son identifying or publicly acknowledging that he feels like he's in the wrong gender. Yeah. But for other parents... It's other things, but the feeling is very much the same in terms of having to mourn the loss of a certain expectation. And it doesn't mean the expectation, like having 
And, and when I say expectation, just based upon previous experience, mm -hmm. lived as an androgynous female for 18 years. Okay. So just having the consistency of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, no, that's not who I feel like I am. I feel like I'm really this other person. Yeah. While as a mom, I know the first gut instinct is to want to love and support your child through whatever it is they're experiencing. Right. right. right? Mm -hmm. But as a person, it's, you have some kind of feelings around that. Not yeah. necessarily about the transition into male, but the loss of mm -hmm. your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because um, it wasn't until Nico came out to me um, that uh, it came out to me as trans male. Um, it wasn't until then where I realized um, how much of what I had planned this journey, you know, th there was a lot of planning there. Yeah. And, and, and it was a lot of planning on the basis of how my child, how Nico initially presented himself to me as Nandi. So when you have a child that is living in this space and they present themselves to you as such, especially when they are in the gay community, you support them and you, um, you know, make sure that you are moving in this space where they recognize how much you support them and, and they recognize how much of their future you are helping, you are guiding them and helping them to map out so that they can live the ultimate, the optimal life ever. Sure. Um, and so that was something that was, it was not just my plan, but in a sense, it was our plan. Right. You know, and, and, and we were in this good space of, yes, when I do this and when I get older and when this happens and all of these things. Um, but I remember the one thing that stood out uh, is when Nico said to me, um, and this was this was the moment of the shift when Nico said to me, you know, I remember you saying that you were glad that you didn't have a boy. Mm. And, you know, and, and as a woman, a female, you know, of course I wanted a girl. Right. I know I can relate to girls. I'm a girl. Right. <laughs> I know how to relate to girls. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Um, and so we had to kind of go through this, this, this movement because in his mind, that was kind of like something that caused for him to maybe not want to. Yeah. expose his real self uh, because of hearing his mom yeah. saying that I never wanted a boy. Right. Um, and living in that space and suppressing his true self to accommodate my journey and what I had planned for him. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of layers to that. You know, there was, um, again, not being able to connect to a male child on the basis that I know about women, the female anatomy. Right. You know? I know what it means to be a female. I know what it means to be a gay female. Right. In, in, you know, in our society. So that came easy for me. What I felt, um, and I also want to say too, that I think that often it's a double standard because when men say that they want boys, it's applauded. Sure. When people say, oh, you need to have a boy to carry on your legacy, it's applauded. So there's this wiring that happens within society and just within our own um, that happens, you know, every, for as long as we can remember. Right. Um, and then there were other factors. Um, there were factors of having a Black son in the world that we live in right now. There were wow. factors of seeing that there's this level of not, there's this lack of fairness for our young black boys. Yeah. So there's all of these things yeah. um, that I felt that having a girl, a daughter, uh, raising a daughter, there were just some things that I knew that I wouldn't have to worry about when it came right. to my female child. Right. Um. So... With that being said, 
um, Nico coming out to me um, blew me away. It blew me away in a sense that I had no, absolutely no forewarning. Um, there was never a conversation outside of the things that we normally talk about as I think as women, oh, I, you know, our, our, our monthly cycles and how we all hate that, right. or, you know, oh my God, you know, my breasts, I'm so over this. I got to wear a what? I got to wear a bra, you know? So all yeah. of those things that we, we deal with as women. Yeah. So it wasn't anything that was different from what I felt as a female, um, based on what. Nandi felt as a female. Right. So Nico coming into uh, existence, um, you know, put a halt on everything. So now I have not only 18, and this is something that's very new. Now I have a trans son in a space that, or in a society that has not normalized it. I have a trans son in uh, a, a, a society where we live um, within a gay community, we live with these staggering numbers of our Black trans women who are being murdered at alarming rates by our own, right. within our own community. Um, and in that list, what people also don't know is that there, of course, have been Black trans men who have been um, murdered within those numbers as well. Right. So all of these things are, you know, swirling. And the, the but the main thing that I want people to understand is, is that this is not about me never accepting my child. You know, I love my child. My child is my child. Yes. But this is about the rest of the world who shows lack in accepting yeah. who my child feels like he is. Yeah. And so that is the fear out of all fears. That is the thing where you just feel like, oh my gosh, what is this going to look like in this not normalized space? Yeah. What kind of life will he have? All of and these how challenges. Safe is he? And how safe is he? Right. Um, you know, because these are things on a lower scale that I think about just as being a gay woman. Yeah. You know, being in a very misogynistic space, you know, I've had to kind of scale back or not be forthcoming with information just for my safety in some circles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's so many different layers to understanding that this is not about oh, I can't, you know, I can't get on board and move fast enough and all these right. things. This right. is about, oh my gosh, you know, where, where do we move from here to make sure that you have the quality of life that I've always wanted you to have, regardless of how you present yourself to me. Yes, 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 yes. So rich, so rich, so rich. So um, when we were initially talking about this, the part um, of your story that so resonated for me or that I found to be so fascinating um, was the fact that you are a part of the community already, mm -hmm. right? And by outside expectation, one would think, one would think, right? Yeah. Oh, you're already lesbian, it's no big deal. Your son's trans, whatever. You're gonna adjust to that, no problem, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the kind of external projection people just automatically think you don't have any real feelings around that right. you must be right yeah and I, I appreciate that you made the distinction like hey this is not about whether or not I love my child or accept my child this is really about the time that one needs anyone needs to go through some type of transition or change yeah, yeah. so it's almost the part that resonates so loudly for me what I really liken it to like a death and I, I forgive me if it, if that is maybe inappropriate, but it almost feels like the death of one child and the birth of another. another. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But it's like, as in death, we don't get to pick when the story ends. Right. Yep. So like the story just ended. Yeah. Bam. It's over. Yep. And so I think there, that's a part of the story that I think, 
that people really need to hear about, especially other trans parents to normalize mm -hmm. that that grief and loss that you might feel yeah. because your child now wants to completely disassociate from that chapter of their life where that right. felt inauthentic. Right. Like, I think there is a need to hold space for parents yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very similar to that. I lost my mother six years ago and, but in the process of, in, in that time frame, you know, I got a chance to see my mother transition, if you will, over time. You right. know, as we get older, you see your parents getting older. Right. Um, you see your parents and their health beginning to fail. Right. You see your parents and they are not being able to care for themselves um, and, 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 and start to lack self-care. So you start to see this, you know, this transition happening slowly because right. you know, ultimately this is where this is where it's going to go. And you live in this space where you start to move with understanding that I have to now accept my mother's existence from a spiritual standpoint. Right. Um, this is similar to what, and what I feel um, in regards to this transition, it's similar to a very unexpected, tragic, tragic death. Sure. Um, you know, and again, I want to reference back to some parents that, you know, kind of have spent five years with their child um, in finding that, finding out that their child is trans and being able to go through this metamorphosis with them. With them, sure. Um, and, and, and versus the time period that I've had, which has not been a lot. And there is this, there, there's just this very um, dynamic cutoff. And within that, I now have to, I had to realize like, okay, so I've spent 18 years with who I was raising as to how Nandi presented themselves to me or as how Nico presented himself to me as Nandi mm -hmm. to now have to, in some space, grieve in order to now, at the same time, simultaneously, accept my trans son. Right. And know right. how to support him and know how to, you know, do all of the things that I did for 18 years with Nandi to now do that with, with Nico. Yeah. And, and people don't realize that although I am in the community, I don't know what it means to be trans. I can relate to understanding in a sense of what it means for somebody to tell me that I can't be who I know that I am sure. in my authentic self. Sure. But I feel like that is very far from understanding actually living in the wrong gender. Right. And, and so there is this level of education and there's this level of knowledge that I bring myself, you know, make sure that I bring into, you know, my space um, psychologically and emotionally uh, on, on top of making sure that professionally I'm talking with someone who is trained in understanding trans individuals. Yeah. So there's these different, so many different layers into making sure that not only am I going through this grieving process with, from Nandi, I have to now couple that with supporting my trans right. son and his journey. Which is all new territory. Yeah, very new territory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the bigger picture too is not only am I living in that space, but I'm also living in a very, um, uh, a very non-accepting space from both communities. And when I say both communities, I mean, actually maybe four different communities. Um, the black community, mm -hmm. the trans community, and then the different, the different uh, ethnic communities that fall in between those two barriers. Right. So while I am, uh, 
not feeling like I can have these open conversations because of the lack of acceptance within the black community. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being shamed um, and feel like I'm being um, accused of not supporting my trans son fast enough because mm-hmm. I do have to grieve. Right. You know, and so there's this, this thing of, oh, well, you need to, you know, what do you mean? You're using the wrong pronouns. And it's it's a very pronoun and it's a, it's like an attack. Right. And it's just like, no, this is not, this is not an on and off switch. You know, this takes time. And so I have all of these communities in my ear that are just kind of dictating to me where I should be as a parent. And so there's just so much, it's so much more magnified into the psychological space that I'm living in. There's so much more pressure. Yeah. Outside of just grieving because I'm constantly battling all of these other things to kind of just say, Hey, give me a minute. Right. Um, and so, so you know, how there's, are you there's that too. yourself? I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. So how, how are, are you? I heard you mention um, a therapist. So you're in therapy. So that's one way you're using to anchor yourselves. Like how are, how are you finding your center in the midst of all of this? You know, therapy definitely, you know, I'm no stranger to therapy. Um, I, in my early twenties, um, started going to therapy, um, just to kind of address some of my childhood traumas. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I've had, I've had a therapist into well into, you know, my early forties. I feel like everybody should always have one. I mean, I feel like it should be like a physical, like you go for your annual physical every year. I feel like everybody should be required to go for an annual mental health checkup. I swear to God. Yeah. You know, it's like, yes, pray, be spiritual, worship, and then have your therapist. Go get your eval. You have your therapist (laughs) appointment at the end of the week. Right. Right. Um, but you know, so that's one. I also, um, I also chant. So I've been um, definitely following um, just some practices of Buddhism. So that's kept me very centered as well. Um, but within it, specifically within the trans space, I've had to seek out um, other groups and other organizations, and and that could be a challenge in itself because, again, often there are not um, rooms for us to sit in to have these conversations um, like they are for our white counterparts. Sure. Um, And so just recently, um, early this week, I was um, a panelist for a discussion um, that's centered on uh, black parents who have non-binary trans children. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was, I wanna say maybe there was about maybe 60, 65 participants that registered for um, registered for the um, seminar, and it was it was I mean it was great for a lot of the participants. You know, they were very thankful, and it was such an eye opening experience. And they felt like they could really relate, and they were really you know thrilled that we could share our stories but it was very therapeutic for me as well. Mm-hmm. Talking through these things and being vulnerable, I feel has probably been the best healing um, space for me. Yeah. I think that what happened initially is, you know, when Nico came out to me as trans, I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I felt like no one could understand. I felt like, People were going to kind of, you know, um, input some, you know, things and, and insert some things within. You like know, you're being our, selfish. You're making yes. it about you. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's not about you. And 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 there was a moment where, as you know, me kind of going through this journey with him, there was a moment where I was like, okay, it is not about me. But what happened in doing that? I I found myself. Um, kind of dealing with this privately. Yeah. And I found myself dealing with a lot more breakdowns. Yeah. And I found myself dealing with a lot of, of moments of 
uh, depression and, yeah. and, and, and not knowing how to even maneuver through some of the feelings are there. The feelings oh are going to be there, right? We can try to deny it, repress it, yeah. ignore it as much as you want. It's yeah. going to seep out in other ways, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna seep out in other yeah. ways every time. So yeah, yeah I imagine. And I think a lot of it too is initially, um, my son didn't he wasn't extending uh, as much grace to me as well. It was yeah. this is who I am. So let's move on. And I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute. You know, like, well, I'm not ninety anymore. So you know, and I'm like, okay, just give me a second. And so. Yeah there was that kind of like that um, feeling of that I wasn't supportive. Yeah. And so my son is, is all, he, you know, he is in his own separate therapy as, as well as he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I am hopeful that he understands that this is not only a transition for him, but it's a transition for all of us. Sure. And I think the one thing that um, kind of was a light bulb that went off, uh, kind of light bulb that went off was my therapist saying to me, you have to grieve. Yeah. This is a loss like anything else. It doesn't mean you love your child any less. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean you're less accepting, but you have been doing this for 18 years and you've been raising your child based on how they've presented themselves to you. Yeah. So that gave me permission it gave me permission it didn't come with judgment yeah it didn't come with shame it gave me permission for me to say okay and i think that is where a lot of these moments happen where we have black parents who have trans children and no one gives them permission or even gay children right yeah for, for those who are gay and choose not to use alternative measures to have children, or even, you know, parents sometimes right. don't even think that far to all of those possibilities. Like, oh, my child's gay. I'm not going to have any grandchildren, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what I can appreciate is that insight um, because mm-hmm. I, I said it earlier, it's like, it feels like, it feels like a death, you know, because that, yeah. that, absolutely is the simulated process you know praise god that he's still here in physical form and you now get to join this next chapter you know in this adventure right this journey into the the new life Mm -hmm. no that's its own separate thing but like the baby girl you once knew you know the baby pictures on Mm -hmm. the wall you know like all of those little nuanced things i think is um so important that you allow yourself or parents in general allow themselves the permission to mm-hmm. go through their own process and yeah. how important it is to go through your own process yeah. Yeah. because what can also happen on the back end of that is becoming bitter and resentful mm-hmm. you know yeah. or having displaced anger again not at the fact that but at the fact of this other piece is no longer you yeah. know so I think that's super healthy. And I think that's a good takeaway that I hope people take from this episode. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. You need to create space to process and yeah. establish community. You know, mm-hmm. you had the panel and you found so much um, relief in just having that kind of social support. Yeah. Um, are there any other tips that you might offer to a transparent? You know, I think the one thing that, um, that I know that has been really helpful um, for me is surrounding yourself by either family or chosen family who Mm -hmm. are going to support you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, too many times there's these trade-offs or there's these sacrifices that we make, you know, socially, I'm sorry, psychologically and emotionally, um, where we feel like we owe somebody our lives regardless of how they are accepting of who we are. Mm. And so much of that is, um, it can be detrimental to you living the life and moving through some of these challenges and, and not just this, this, not just this seat yeah. right now, but just, 
you know, life's challenges. So much mm-hmm. is going on. And I think the thing that has really helped me is having to have already been established with my, my, my village, my personal yeah. village. Um, I am one and people know you probably, you know, we go way back. So I know, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've created this space where I am not going to entertain somebody that's not going to be my cheerleader. Right. I'm just not doing it. Right. And, and so if it's easy for me to walk into a room and for people to say, okay, she's walking in as who she is. This is where things are. And if you can't get on board, don't even go into it. Mm-hmm. And they know that about me and mm-hmm. my, my community and my village make sure that they are act as, as my armor, my shield, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because then mm-hmm. they tell other people, mm-hmm. she's really great. She's an amazing person. She's real cool and down to earth. But don't try. Don't take no craziness to her. <laughs> you won't be friends with her. And, and, and they know that I am okay with that. I'm not walking through this space wanting to be validated. I don't care how long we've been friends. I don't care who you are to me. I don't care what part of the family. Uh, family heirloom you were in right um and so that's the one thing that i would say your network of people who are going to support you through this is important the other thing that i will say is to um allow for people to see that you are vulnerable because Mm. when people see that you are always strong and always on and everything's fine they can't help you Mm. when you have moments of despair because they don't mm-hmm. know how mm-hmm. they see like well she got it ain't no wrong she's fine sure sure so they don't see that there's these levels of being able to put themselves or energy or, or to the inject themselves and saying what can i do to help yeah um and that is the thing that i've learned also and i've i have um been able to, you know, just recently, um, and I'm never one that puts things on social media that, you know, makes people feel bad or bashes people or, you know, I, um, uh, what I love about social media and being able to have that platform is, is I can express things on the basis of how I see people are being treated and mistreated for that matter. I'm going to speak on it. And But I also had a moment and opportunity for people to see my real self during this transition. Right. And it was the first time that I've ever done anything like that. But I want to go back to what people don't know, they cannot respond to. Right. And we're in COVID, we're in a pandemic. You can't go anywhere. You can't hug nobody. You can't talk right. to anybody. Everybody's right. And so my outlet was for, for people to see my vulnerability and to get the feedback of support. And it didn't require a phone call. It didn't require for people to say, oh my God, we got to go figure it out. How right. Right, right. It just allowed for me to see people to tell me we're here. We see you. Yeah. And we're going to keep you in spirit. We're going to send you some good vibes. If you ever need to reach out, do so. We're here. And that is something that was such a relief because when you're dealing with it alone, you feel like nobody's there. Yeah. And so, That's a great um, tip for people to take away, um, even if obviously this is not their personal experience. And if they know someone who's experiencing, yeah. just to say, just to give the I see you, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and, it, and, it, and it should come with no judgment. This is not a, sure. oh, well, you know, well, well, what do we need to do to make him right. see? That's not what this is. Right, right. I right. know who my child is. I am very comfortable in supporting my child. And if you see me in that space, then I need you to support me right. in that movement. Right. Um, and then I think, the, I think lastly, the other thing, uh, Alami, is um, for people to realize 
that it is okay to ask to be knowledgeable about the transition. Yeah. So many times we're afraid to have those conversations. And when I say asking, I mean people who want to know like, okay, well, when did you know? Or how did you find out? Or when did he tell you? And, um, And how do you feel? And, you know, not coming in and thinking that you want to change agendas. That's right. not what it is. Right. But asking, because one thing about normalizing um, how people live in their two selves mm-hmm. is getting to understand who they are and how they are living in their true selves. Mm-hmm. So if you have questions, ask me. If people ask me about top surgery, I can tell you a little bit about it and then we can research the rest of it together. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we, we can Google it. Right. <laughs> you know right. Um, but just asking how- But don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask because that is when, you know, people, uh, people fear what they don't know. Sure. And so if people can, you know, open themselves up to wanting to learn that is a lot of that is half the battle because then people know how to um people know how to address you people know how to be compassionate with your journey people know how to support you through your journey yeah people know how to move alongside with you yeah 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 oh well said well said well i want to wind things down and i want to make sure that i'm offering, uh, I mean, you've already offered so many great tips for folks. Um, but even to take it to the not back, back to the non-specific of parents who are struggling with some kind of shift, some type of transition from what they thought, perceived, or expected from their children yeah. and how their child presents today. And again, that shift can be anchored or, or provoked by any number of things. Of course, we're talking about gender reassignment in this moment, right? Yeah. But for parents who are struggling with some level of, I hate to say the word disappointment, because I don't think that word accurately reflects your situation. Yeah. Um, but I'll just say a difference in expectation or perception of what you thought would be, mm-hmm. okay? struggling to move through those feelings of loss and transition. And we talked about this in in kind of random particular order, but I think if we take your example, take your walk as an example, one of the most important steps was for you to just acknowledge your own feelings, right? To just speak the truth of what you were really feeling and you had a safe space to do that with your therapist. And again, we've talked about the importance and power of community. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one thing to acknowledge that you're feeling a certain way, but again, really actively engaging that process. So obviously therapy offers that talking outlet, but there might be other ways. So if you're not one, if someone who's listening or watching is not one Mm -hmm. to necessarily want to go and talk to a therapist, you know, there's writing and journaling and um, sharing and expressing and creating in different ways that allow you to Mm -hmm. um, get those feelings out. Um, but I think it is important to process the grief experience because I believe it ap- absolutely is a grief experience to some absolutely. degree. Absolutely. Um, I, another thing that you kind of sidebar mentioned, but to remember that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Your child walking in their true self is not about you, yeah. right? doesn't mean that your feelings don't matter, but it means that they're not doing it to hurt you or to spite you or to do anything in contradiction to you or who you are, what you stand for. It is literally their truth. Whatever the thing is, it's their truth. And the Um, other thing to add to that, Alami. Yeah, yeah. And also what I think that parents should know that their healing, my healing is not about my son. Yes. My healing is about me. Yes. And and I think that's a lot of times that, uh, well, you know, from personal experience in the first few weeks, few months, that is where I got lost. I gave up all of that. Yeah. I ignored all of that. I pushed that to the side because I made everything about 
making sure that my child knew that I supported him because I didn't want him to think that I wasn't. Right. And what that did was that it that started to cause for me to um it, it caused for me to internalize yeah. a lot of pain. And then so, you know, so they also know that parents need to also know that their healing is about them. Yes. Um, they need to recognize that. Yes, I received that. That's awesome. Um, other things I have on this list. Um, I think it's important for parents to allow their kids to chart their own course. Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't talk about are the uh, testosterone shots. Yeah. And how he's made the choice to kind of accelerate his progress, right? Yeah. And he is an adult of legal age to yeah. do whatever he an wants adult. to do with his own body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So allowing your children to chart their own course, even if you think it's, again, not a good idea or you have whatever feeling around it that you might have. Right. It's like you have to allow your children to develop. Yeah. to grow, to evolve, to learn their own lessons, good, bad, or ugly, you yeah. know, it's and, a, their and, a way, life. and a way to bridge that, that I've learned is, um, allowing them to medically know that you have done the research as well. Mm -hmm. Um, that's another way of showing support, um, and giving them the best, uh, making sure that they know the best options medically that are out there yeah um and i think a lot of times that is what you know especially being you know young adults they don't have a lot of knowledge in regards to the healthcare. right when it comes to trans youth and there are not a lot of resources that um black trans youth have that their white counterparts have there are right. not a lot of trans trans uh so there's not a lot of resources that black trans have that their white counterparts have. So mm -hmm. just being able to make sure that you are resourceful and trying to get as much information so that they can have a, a layout and be able yeah. to navigate and, and, and move into a room with knowledge. Yeah. And so absolutely. Um, my last couple of points was one um, to ask how you can support right? So even if it's not a ask, it's to figure out ways in which you can support, which obviously helping to attend to the medical needs is obviously a key and critical yeah. way. Mm -hmm. And my last point was um, for parents, again, this is about how do parents kind of pick up the pieces and move on from their own loss of expectations, is to find small ways to validate your love, okay? Yeah. And they're in non-judgmental ways, yeah. As non-judgmental as possible, but to, again, your love and support has to show up differently when your children decide yeah. mm -hmm. to live in their truth. Absolutely. So, how, and sometimes that might take some thought, that might take some mm -hmm. insight, and again, therapeutic support, community yeah. support. If you don't have the answer, start doing your research, and then ask your child the question, yeah. how can I support you? Absolutely. And I think that helps, that has helped me along the way, because, you know, um, Nico has always had nicknames and they've been very um, non-gender conforming nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, we were talking one day and, and I asked him, I said, is it okay? One of his nicknames is Cubs. And I said, is it okay that I still call you Cubs? It's, it's, it's not, you know, doesn't have a gender connection to it. And right. he said, yeah, that's, that's okay. I'm okay with that. And so you'd be surprised of some of the connections that you already have right. that are not, don't have these gender labels um, that they may still be okay with because they're still that person who you raised. Right, right, right. You know, Nandi is no longer um, someone that he identifies with, but Nico still understands that the person that I raised is still in existence. Yeah, the spirit doesn't yeah. change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Ellen, I thank you so much. Oh my gosh, girl. thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you. that you are opening this dialogue that's much needed. And yeah. uh, I just appreciate you. I appreciate you for, you know, stepping out of, you know, what you normally do with yeah. what we see you know, every day and yeah. 
you know, and, and kind of helping us to really get this word out and to, to, to really normalize this because it's yeah. trans people are around just like we're around. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And they've been around. Everybody, I, 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 I'll tell you my connection to this story is I believe everybody I literally posted this today. It was a meme on my Instagram. It, it said, today's do list, show up in every space you occupy as your authentic self. Absolutely. You know, yes. and I believe everybody should be entitled to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, no one loses or no one, um, no one loses when someone else is happy. Yeah. No one loses. I, and I don't, know why that it shouldn't be something that people I don't know why that's something that people don't want to see of others we there we, we don't lose anything when people are living in their selves and they're happy about who they are Ellen we're gonna stop right there okay. that's, that, that's it that's thank it. you so much my dear thank uh, you thank for you having for, me I thank everybody for tuning in again this is be great every day uh, I pray that you heard something that resonates with you, if not for your own life, but offers you a tip or a tool that you can use to support somebody else in your life or in your community. And above all, I wish everybody to have a great day, mm. no matter what. Yeah. All right. Peace.